Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Welcome to the Big Ten, and here in Northeast Ohio, we love the Big Ten Conference. We love our Buckeyes, and we theme this series around it, but what we're talking about in this series is God's Big Ten, and uh, that would be the Ten Commandments. And we have the privilege today of looking at the 8th and the 10th commandment, and we're going to have a blast. We had a blast in our other two services, and I want to remind you, next weekend, that's, that's the big bring weekend, and that's when we're giving uh, a lot of gifts away to people that bring first-timers, and everyone's going to be entered in that drawing, and the message is going to be awesome. We're going to just have a blast, but we're also going to have fun today in this service. And I want to begin uh, by playing an interactive game. So uh, church can be fun, right? So let's, let's play an interactive game. Uh, I need you to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. And uh, I call this the if you could game. If you could, okay? So uh, participate with me. You need to think these answers in your mind. And here we go. If you could have anyone's car, whose would it be? Whose would it be? Guy after, last night leaving church told me it was the original Batmobile, okay? Here's the second one. If you could have anyone's home, where would you live? If you could have anyone's abilities, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, who would you want to be? If you could have anyone's physical appearance, guys, uh, mine's excluded. You can't have that, okay? Uh, whose would you like? Whose would you like? Think about that. If you could have anyone's wealth and possessions, whose would it be? Whose would it be? You can look up. You probably figured out, I, I set you up, didn't I? This is a setup. You guys know that. And uh, thank you for participating. Some of you are so spiritual, you may have just said, I'm happy with everything I have. I don't want anything from anybody. Uh, but I trust you played along. And the reason I had you play along is, it's just to simply let you see that within all of us, there's this thing that the, the, the Bible calls coveting, that if we allow it to come out, it will come out, wanting something that we don't have, wanting something that someone else has. And again, I set you up, so feel no condemnation, whatever you thought, whatever you were thinking about. That was a setup, guys. But what I wanted to show you is it's still in us. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, that commandment and then one connected to it. So let's, let's read our commandments. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment. Uh, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So your neighbor is every other person on the planet. And coveting means you long, you desire for something that they have that you don't have. And the Bible's telling us not to covet. And you might be here and say, I've never had that problem, but let me, let me say this to you. We're also going to talk about contentment today because contentment trumps coveting. It, contentment will trump it. And all of us, I think, can grow in the area of contentment. And we're going to talk about that today. And, 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 and that will just solve the coveting problem if you have it. And then take a look at the Eighth Commandment. It goes like this, Exodus 20, 15. It says, you must not steal. And this is pretty simple. And when we close today near the end in this lesson, 
I'm going to talk to you about some ways to still when we think we're not stilling, and we'll have some fun uh, with that. But I'm going to tell you a story, and uh, this story goes back 25 years. I was pastoring believers. This building wasn't up yet, uh, but we were on the other side, and I'm Kind of, it's, it's, it's an embarrassing story, but it did happen. And the reason I'm going to share it is to help us understand what we're looking at today. And of course, 25 years later, I am a spiritual giant compared to uh, where I was at back then. But let me tell you the story. Um, my dad, who was working at Packer Electric at the time, um, he told me about his friends who were uh, in this investment, and uh, they were doubling their money, sometimes in six to eight weeks. And he said, Joe, they're bringing me the checks and showing me the checks. And it went on, and I, I told my dad, and he, he agreed, he felt the same way, you know, when something's too good to be true, you should stay away from it, you know, and we both just said, that's too good to be true, but it went on month after month, and it went on for about a year, and people are, you know, they start with 10,000, now they have 150, the checks are cashing, and so finally my dad thought, I'm going to get in this, and, and he jumped in, and he started showing me his checks, uh, you know, that, that he had. And the company's name was, I believe it was Vision. The idea, what they told us was, they were buying bulk TV time that the networks couldn't sell. They were buying it for pennies, and then they were selling it for nickels, dimes, and quarters, and that's how they were having these huge profits. That, that's what we were told. So after I saw a couple of my dad's checks, I thought, I need to get into this, but I had a young family. I didn't have any extra money, so I thought, I'll borrow 10000 on a line of credit that I have. So, so I borrowed 10000 and I put it in, and within whatever, six weeks or so, I received a check for twenty. I cashed it, and it was good. So now, wouldn't a normal person, or wouldn't the smart thing to do would be to pay that loan off and be left with ten? But right after I did that, the company changed its plan, and they said, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to lock in, and whatever you put in, we're going to give you double of that, you're going to make 100%, and I think it was five or six times a year. So if you put 10,000 in, you'd, you'd, you'd end up making about 60 grand a year, whatever, however that goes. And um, so now I'm faced with a decision, and I felt this thing called coveting come alive in me. It was amazing because I had friends that were in it, and if they told me they were doing five, I thought, well, I got to do 10 because I, I want to have more than they do. Uh, every month, and then I'm thinking of what I could do. I was thinking about helping to finance this, and, and then, of course, I had some, some, some toys in mind that I'd like to buy and things like that, and, uh, and, and so uh, I heard someone else was putting 15 in, and I thought, oh, they can't put more than me in. They'll have, they'll have 30,000, and, and I'll only have, you know, tw uh, 20,000 a month, and, and, and I'm just all caught up in this, caught up in it, and I loved Jesus like crazy at the time, and uh, so I decided to go with the 20. I locked in 20. And uh, I remember the first check, I received a check for 40000 I was you know, just excited. But, you know, it went into the bank, and everybody else's checks went into their banks. And do you know that every check bounced uh, after that, that, that time? And uh, we found out it was a very elaborate, a long game Ponzi screen, uh, scheme. And they set everybody up. And so, thankfully, I was only $10,000. But I'll tell you what, I learned some incredibly valuable lessons through that, and I learned that even though I love Jesus, that thing's still in my body, so to speak, because we still have a sin nature. We know we're created in God's image, and our spirits are created, but we can tap into some of those things. And, and I learned about contentment, and I learned about this thing called 
coveting. And it caused me to put money in that I really shouldn't have put into that and lose money I really shouldn't have lost. So we'll talk about that today. And uh, I thought it would only be fair to uh, make sure we all understand God's not against you having things. He's not against you being blessed. And uh, I want to read a scripture to you. Uh, and it just reads like this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's important. God doesn't mind if you're blessed. He, he actually will bless us. And he doesn't mind if we enjoy life. That's all cool. But verse 18 goes on to say, tell them to use their money to do good, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So he's saying it's okay to be blessed, but also be a blessing. Don't, don't allow money to be your God, but sow money and be a blessing with your money. And so God's not against people having wealth. That's not a bad thing. And people that have wealth can covet. People that don't have wealth can covet. People that have wealth can be in a place of not being content. People that don't have wealth can be in a place of not being content. So we want to talk about this content issue today, and that, that applies to every one of us in every situation in our life, not just money. Uh, God wants you to be able to be content where you're at, and we'll talk about it because contentment trumps coveting. It absolutely trumps coveting. Here's something I had to learn. Many of you know it, but let's, let's take a look at it. It goes like this. Nothing on this earth will satisfy us. And that's absolutely true. Uh, listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8, reading from the middle of the verse. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Now, that's not talking about the you that accepted Jesus, your spirit. It's talking about our bodies and that sin nature that's in them. And without us allowing God to help us shut that down, he's just letting us know that no matter what we have, in our eyes it will never be enough. And let's go to contentment now. Let's just talk a little bit about contentment because it's important for us to understand that no matter where we're at in life, and some of you are in tough times, some of you are struggling in some areas, some of you are going through storms, and I just want to give you some hope that even while you're going through the battle, you can come to a place of contentment and have this place of peace. And God wants to bring us to a place to where we don't think, the grass is always greener over there, and if I just had that or if this just changed, I'd be okay. Um, I have counseled a lot of young men over the years, and I've had young men come to me and say, Pastor, I need to get married. I have a lust problem. I want to get rid of it, and if I can get married, I'll get rid of my lust problem. And I always try not to laugh real loud when they tell me that, uh, so I just smile, and I say, you realize that's not going to solve your problem. Oh, no, if I had a wife, I wouldn't have a problem. And I said, nah. I said, if you don't learn to be content and deal with the sin nature that's in your body, here, here's what's going to happen. You could marry Miss Ohio. How many of us would agree Miss Ohio would have to be attractive? Here you are married to an attractive woman, and you're going to see Miss Florida, and if you don't deal with your lust problem, you're going to have problems with Miss Florida. You're going to have problems with Miss California and Miss New Mexico or whoever. You're going to have problems, and, and uh, it doesn't solve the problem. Uh, what we have to do is come to a place to where we learn to live in this thing called contentment. Sometimes people say, if I just had a mate, I'd be happy, and, and I'll tell you what, I have a wonderful wife, 
She is my best friend. She is incredible, but she can't bring me contentment. It's not her job, and she can't do it. And I believe I'm a good husband, but I can't bring her contentment. Fulfillment and contentment comes from only one place, and we want to talk about that today. I like to say it this way. Life isn't defined by what you have, but by whom you live for. And that's really going to be our secret for contentment is understanding life is not defined by what you have. Whatever circumstance you're in, you can be happy there. You can enjoy it for that time. And then, of course, God wants to move you into better places if you're in a bad place. But I'm telling you, the best place you can come to is realizing that contentment is something you can have no matter what. And if you're content, you will not. You will not covet. I want to show you what Jesus taught about coveting. This is pretty cool. So let's read a scripture, all right? Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me. Now, in those days, Bible days, backstory here, Jewish culture, um, the firstborn son received double inheritance uh, over all the other people, all the other siblings. And uh, so this is a, a younger son, not firstborn. He's mad because his brother has a double inheritance, and he's saying to Jesus, I, I don't think that's fair. I know what our culture says, but I want half of the double. I believe I deserve half of the double. So he has an issue here, and Jesus begins to deal with it. And he goes to the root. He says this in verse 14, 15. He says, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And greed is just simply coveting over money. And Jesus really hits the story here, and he's going to hit it even uh, more directly. He's telling us life isn't defined by what you have, but by whom you live for. And that's what he's going to bring out. So he goes on to give a parable, this Bible story, and helps us understand contentment, coveting, and, and a better light. So listen to verse 16. He then told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I want to say right here, this guy has done nothing wrong. I could argue, and I feel very comfortable, that God blessed him. He didn't do a thing wrong. And he does need somewhere to store the extra. He can't just allow it to lay on the ground and rot. So he's done nothing wrong to this point. Uh, verses 18 and 19. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Still not bad except for the one word, all. That one word, all, is going to get him in trouble. And then it goes on to say, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And it's not bad to slow down. The problem is, I'll store all. So listen to how Jesus goes on to talk about this verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. And all he's saying is you can't take it with you and your living life focused just on the now. And he goes on and he concludes with this thought. Listen to the thought. Verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Did God want it all? No. You know, in Jewish culture, this man was taught to tithe to the church, to the temple, so that God's work could be done. He was taught to give to the poor. And God's not saying, I want it all. He's saying, you're not focused on me. And that's why uh, today's all about whom we live for. That, that, that will help us overcome this thing 
called coveting, and it brings us to a place of contentment. Now, I love what the Apostle Paul said. Listen to this, Philippians 4, 11 and 12. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be in need, and I know, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, he says, I've learned this secret. And many of you in here know it. I want to help you understand it at a higher level. For some, it's going to be something that makes you smile. It's going to be something that sets you free. Allow me to give you a backstory on this. When Paul wrote this, he was at a place where his ministry was not supplying what he needed to live. So he began to make tents. And he wasn't the owner of the, he wasn't like the owner of a tent business. He was a laborer and he's making tents, had a skill, and that's how he's making his living. So he's working his 40 hours, whatever, whatever they did in those days. But then after he works his 40, Paul's going and doing ministry, working really hard in ministry. So he's working crazy hours. He's having to work a secular job and then go do ministry. And that's the time he's in. But he said, I learned the secret of being content, even when, when I'm in a bad situation. Do you know what else happened to Paul? There were times when he was thrown into jail, these terrible places, he would be beaten and he would be sitting in a jail cell. And he said, even when I was there, he says, no matter what circumstance, I've learned the secret of being content. I don't know about you, but I want to know that secret. I want to know it. And the secret's so beautiful, it's so wonderful. It's what we're already talking about. Contentment always trumps coveting, and contentment only comes in one way. The only person to make you content in all the universe is God. There is not a person alive that can meet your needs emotionally. Only God can. Only God brings contentment. Only jo God brings joy. And Paul talks about this throughout this whole book. Allow me to read a scripture to you. And this is Philippians 3.8 where he's talking about it. And here's what he said. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain or know Christ. Now here's the secret. You ready? Paul says the most important thing to me in all the universe is to have a deeper relationship with God. I have to know him better. And he said everything else on this planet, I'm willing to forsake it. If, it's, if I have to choose before, between the two, I'll forsake it. God's not telling you to, but Paul's just saying, listen, you can take everything on this earth, and he's not talking about our garbage cans and our kitchen. He's talking about garbage that's rotting on a garbage pile somewhere in a dump. And he says, I consider everything in this world to be garbage compared to knowing Christ. And I can tell you that when you and I put God into that place in our life, coveting will never be an issue and contentment will come. Let me tell you a story. When I was in Bible school, I worked my way through Bible school. So I had, I had very little. I just made it paycheck to paycheck. And uh, I was working a job, going to Bible school, and I was volunteering about 20 hours in the church I attended. And, you know, I was single, so, you know, there was nothing else that I had to do. And so I'm staying really busy. And I can tell you that if I look back at that time, I was as content and happy as I am now. I remember leaving Bible school. I came out with, with $300. That's all I had after working and going through school. And I opened up the first Believer's Church uh, checking account with that $300. That's how I started Believer's Church. And you know what? The whole time, 
I was happy. I remember I was single, and uh, I'm in Bible school single, and I said this to God. I said, I'm not ready for a wife. I'll mess a girl up. And, uh, and, and I, I was a good guy. I was living for God, but I said, I'm just not ready. And I said, God, you, you have to bring me to a place of spiritual growth to where I'm content. So I would, here's my prayer. I would say, God, don't bring me that woman yet. I'm not ready. I need to be ready. Uh, and, uh, and, and I just, I just gave everything I went, I had, and I, I went after God and it brought this incredible contentment. Did I want to be married? Absolutely. I wanted to be married, but I thought, you know, God will bring her when I'm ready. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, I'm halfway through Bible school and I said, God, I think I'm ready. Bring her across my path. And, and then I met Gina like a, like a month later and, and, uh, and it clicked and I knew and, and we ended up getting married and, uh, I'm telling you, wherever you're at in life, whatever age you're at, nothing on this earth will fill the gap. Only God can fill it. And here's what I want to encourage you. I enjoyed the ride when I was single. I had fun. I enjoyed the ride when I was in Bible school poor. How many college students can say, you don't have money in college, man? And, uh, but I enjoyed it. I had a blast. I think I went out to eat two times in a restaurant when I was in Bible school and but I had, I had a good time, and uh, I loved it. I had fun, and I've learned it wherever I'm at. Sometimes you go through tough times. Sometimes you're going through great times. We can still have a contentment in our hearts. Sometimes, you know, this is a bad place. I want to get out of here, but until I do, I, I'm not going to have a messed up year or a messed up month. I'm going to enjoy life with God and, and draw my contentment off of Him. So all of us, if we come to that place, everything will change in your life and we know this for health's sake you know modern science tells us that the number one cause of disease is stress and uh, when you become content stress goes and uh, it, it's, it's it really will help you be healthier and help you help you live a longer life so i think i made some sense there now i want to talk about this and just finish up with this ways we steal without stealing and uh and so uh, this is good now before i was a christian i had a problem stealing and uh I don't want to tell you all these stories, but I, I, um, I had a problem. And uh, when I accepted Christ, I, I just was so convicted of everything I stole that I, I, everybody I could remember that I stole something from, and I stole off of some businesses I worked for, I, 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 would, I would give them back things. I just would send things back, or I'd write letters. And uh, one of them, I thought, I could go to jail for this, uh, but I stole a couple bikes where I worked and some other things, and, and I just wrote them a letter and said, here's a check. If I owe you more, let me know. I accepted Christ, and uh, I'm just sorry for what I did. And, uh, and uh, nobody put me in jail. I was thankful for that. But I just had to pay people back. I felt awful once I met Jesus. And uh, I haven't stole anything since I've... Uh, since I've been a Christian, haven't, haven't even gone into a gray area on my taxes. Uh, I've been tempted to, been tempted many times, but I just never have done it. And, and uh, so, but I found out there's ways to steal that you and I may not consider stealing. So, uh, and for all of us that, you know, uh, some of you that are my age and, and up, you're out of the workforce. I'm not out of the workforce, but if you're out of the workforce, um, we're going we're gonna to help the younger people here. We're going to show them how to be successful in their careers. We're, we're going to change lives right now as we talk about this. Read, read this scripture uh, with me. Uh, t- check it out. It's Colossians chapter 3. Uh, oh, no, before I read that, uh, let me just give you this. According to Inc.com, the average employee wastes 1.7 hours a day. And then I'll read my scripture. Um, th- if that's an eight-hour day, that's almost 20%. Can, can you imagine that? The average person. So that means there are people wasting more and people wasting less, and uh, so, and everybody in between, 
That's, that's not good. Here at Believers, our employees are awesome, so I thank you guys for working hard. L- listen to Colossians 3, 23, 24. It, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, this was written originally to slaves, but the principles for everybody, and God's not condoning slavery, but here's what he's saying. Hey, it's there, so since you're in it and you accepted Christ, let me, let me talk to you about attitude. Your attitude is act like God's your boss and work for him. And he's saying that to every one of us that's an employee. He's saying, hey, you may not like your boss. You may not like your job. Maybe you need a new job. That's okay. That's all right if you need a new job. But he's saying while you're there, work as if Jesus is your boss. Can all of us agree that that changes everything? It changes everything. If I look at my work as if I'm working for Jesus, I remember when I saw this. I didn't see this clearly until I was like in Bible school. And when I saw it clearly, I thought, whoa. And I came to a place where I didn't need a supervisor where I worked. I had one, but if they weren't there, I still would have worked the same because I realized I'm working for Jesus. And man, when you see that, let me tell you, as an employer, uh, when you see someone giving 100%, if it's within your power, sometimes the economy, sometimes the economy of a business doesn't let you give people raises. But boy, if you could, you would. And, and if, you, if there's a promotion, you'll, when you see someone working 100%, you'll promote them. I mean... If you want to succeed, young people, and, 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 and go to high places wherever you work, give 100%. The employer will notice it. Work as if you're working for Jesus. It changes everything when you begin to live your life that way. So I thought, you know, wanting, wanting to help all of us, especially some of the younger people in the room, and uh, I thought this would be fun as I close out to just take a look at different ways people waste time on the job. I, this, this was fun to me, and, and I hope you find it enjoyable as we, we just look at it. These are the eight favorite ways employees waste time from Inc.com again, and uh, so here we go. 35% is on the internet, and uh, number one place on the internet is Facebook, uh, where people, instead of working, they'll, they'll be on Facebook saying hello to people. And then uh, 20% is socializing, so you have your social butterflies with, you know, coffee and talking and having fun, and, and then 17% is personal business, you know, pay the bills and do things like that. 6.5% is personal calls, hey babe, how you doing, miss you, um, hi mom, how you doing, and then uh, 5.6% is long lunches, you know, and uh, 4% is other, I don't know what, what that includes, but it's other. This next one was my favorite, you ready? 3.6% was staring blankly. And uh, I love that. I can daydream. Can you daydream? Yeah, yeah, I can daydream. 2.9% was hobbies and, uh, I don't know, maybe playing card games on the Internet. I'm not sure what they were doing. Um, but as I look at that, it's so easy to fall into that. And you know that the Eighth Commandment says don't steal, and I believe it's important when we work for an employee to give 100%. And I can tell you we're living in a world where people haven't been parented properly, and it's hard to find a good employee, guys. It's really hard, and I'm telling you, we have super ones here, but I'm telling you, I talk to people that own businesses, and their number one complaint is just to find somebody that wants to give it 100%. And if you're working somewhere part-time, listen to me very carefully. You know that's not your final stomping grounds? Listen to me carefully. The Bible said Jesus will also reward you. And you know what, guys? 
even if your boss doesn't reward you, Jesus will reward you. He'll bring blessings into your life in different ways. He'll promote you. If they're not going to promote you, he'll promote you in other places. And it's all about just that attitude of giving it 100%. I trust I made some sense today. I trust you learned something today. I want to end with prayer. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to teach some incredibly cool parts of the Bible. And Lord, I've shared and I was transparent with my life and and all of us, Father, we can all grow. There's so many people here that are living what I preach, so thank you for them, Lord. But all of us, our prayer is let's take it up a notch. So, Lord, if there's an area in our life where we're not content, we thank you that we learned how to be content, and that's just focusing on Jesus and pursuing our friendship and connection with him. Lord, you said in the Bible, anybody that's still in, stealing anything that stops stealing and work with their hands to give there might be one in this weekend too father and i thank you that right now they can make that commitment to you lord god like i did i'm going to stop stealing and i'm going to i'm just going to serve god 100 percent. work with my hands to be a blessing thank you jesus we love you jesus father grow us in this area and church, I want to keep praying, so heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a minute more. Maybe you're in this room and you're not sure if you're forever. You know, we had the Lord's Supper. We celebrated that he, he died to set us free, man. We sang songs that celebrated he died to set us free. He's so cool. And all of us were sin-stained when we were born. We all need a Savior. And I like what the Bible says. It, it teaches us you can't work your way to heaven. You just simply have to believe. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, today I realize Jesus is the way. I realize he's the only way to heaven. Just like the Bible says. And I'm ready to pray and accept him as my Savior. If you're here and you say, that's me. I want him to wash my sins away. I want to become a child of God. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help him out? Just pray this from your heart. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I accept you as Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.